Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me on the Triple Threat Podcast. I am your host, DJ Shockley, and we're going to talk a lot of sports on this podcast. We're also going to minor in a few other things if it's happening in the world. May talk some culture, may talk some music. Who knows? If it's happening in the country, we may talk about it. A couple things we'll talk about today. I got my man, Maurice Claret, former running back of the Ohio State Buckeyes, won a national championship Had some things go good in his life. Also had some things he is not proud of, but also he's doing great things. Can't wait to talk to him later on in the show. But to today's news, Patrick Mahomes signing a new deal. 10 years, $450 million can get up to 503 mil with some incentives. That's a $140 million injury guarantee though. But Patrick Mahomes is well-deserving of this money. Obviously it's a deal that's good for both sides. Patrick Mahomes has done nothing but been amazing over the past few years. Last two years, this guy has only lost eight games in two years. And what I like most about Patrick Mahomes for one is he's a good character, dude. His style fits today in the national football league. And he's exciting to watch. Everybody likes Patrick Mahomes. So it's funny to see uh, all the reactions from everybody around the country about this new deal. Just saw LeBron James asking Patrick Mahomes for $5 uh, because of the new money he's got. But just looking at some of the numbers from Patrick Mahomes, in 31 regular season games, he has 76 touchdowns, over 9,000 yards, and only 18 interceptions. In the playoffs, 1,400 yards, 13 TDs to only two interceptions he's already won an MVP of the league he's a Super Bowl champ the dude was made for this moment and he's gonna be around for a long time in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform and the one thing I like about Patrick Mahomes going into this particular deal is he sets the bar really high now there are a lot of quarterbacks around the league and around the National Football League who are looking for a new payday like a Dak Prescott Uh, We think next on the list is Deshaun Watson, but Patrick Mahomes, as we all know, and I think everybody believes, is in a whole new atmosphere than anybody else. This dude has set the bar high, but lucky enough for those other guys, he set it high enough where they're probably going to get a lot more money. Russell Wilson was the next guy who had that big boy contract and was the highest paid quarterback. And obviously, Patrick Mahomes tops that. But Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, they're looking to get into that Russell Wilson in between Patrick Mahomes phase, which I think they will. But only time will tell why they haven't paid Dak Prescott is beyond me. But this is all about P. Mahomes getting his big boy deal and making some much needed loot for himself. Now, he's going to be he has a bunch of incentive later things in his contract like he get 1.25 mil for winning the AFC Championship game and another 1.25 for winning the national uh for the NFL MVP. This is a guy that deserving of the money and I think will definitely definitely do great things and be one of the top players in the National Football League going forward. Baseball. 
lot of guys opting out in the Major League Baseball. Just saw the other day, Nick Marcakis is one guy for the Atlanta Braves who opted out after talking with his teammate, Freddie Freeman. A uh, bunch of big league names like David Price from the Dodgers, Felix Hernandez, another guy for the Braves, Ryan Zimmerman from the Nationals. And one thing that you look at, all these guys are veteran guys who've been around for a very, very long time. Uh, I want to call them old, but these guys are not hurting for money. That's one thing. So a lot of guys who are opting out right now have said money is not an issue. And this is a huge story around, but I know a lot of people are excited to have baseball coming back. Opening day is coming up on July 23rd. Uh, and then you also got some of the rule changes coming in. One couple of rules that I like is you got a universal DH. If you're a baseball person, you love the universal DH because you get more hitters out there. You don't have to worry about the pitchers who, which is weird to me because when you play high school, you play college, those guys were pretty good hitters, the pitchers. Now you get into the league and now you can't hit. I don't understand that. But DHs are universal. And the other, if you go into extra innings, you start with a guy on second base. So you don't have to go 17, 18 innings now. Hopefully you can get, hit that guy around and in the ball game. So uh, I, I hope a couple of those rules stick um, as we go into the latter part of next year and baseball season starts to come back around. So a lot of talking Major League Baseball, a lot of the veteran guys opting out, but looking forward to having some baseball and to watch on TV. I'm a big baseball guy. Grew up loving baseball. Wanted baseball to be a big part of my life. Uh, but in high school, I had to pitch all the time, and my arm was throbbing. I used to put Flexol on it all the time, and I thought, hey, I can't do this forever. So I was dumb. I gave up baseball, and now dudes are getting $200, $300 million contracts, fully guaranteed. Mr. Mike Trout, uh, one of those guys who uh, was the richest pro player uh, going, but now Pat Mahomes has taken that over. But one thing I do know is baseball is all guaranteed. So he'll get all that. Patrick Mahomes probably will not. They'll restructure or something. Who knows? PGA. I am a huge golf lover. I'm an avid golf lover. I love golf. I love playing it. It's kind of the competitive thing that I have going now, now that I can't play ball anymore. Uh, I love golf. I'm a big part of uh, playing with my buddies. Uh, there are a lot of COVID cases going around now in the PGA Tour. But let's talk about a dude who is crushing it. Bryson. DeChambeau. Dude is a monster right now. Dude has put on like 40 pounds. I was watching the other day. He was talking about some of the things he eats and all the shakes and the peanut butter sandwiches and all that kind of stuff. And dude has put on 40 pounds. He's crushing. He's crushing all these golf courses with drives. He's hitting it over trees. The dude is changing the way people think about how you should prepare for playing golf. Bryson DeChambeau is becoming a household name right now. Uh, just won last week's tournament. He is playing some phenomenal golf right now. I think since uh, they come back from the COVID cases, this guy has really turned it up a little bit, and he's finished top 10 every single week. So maybe I need to beef up a little bit and get gained 30, 40 pounds so I can crush the ball a little bit longer. But I'm looking forward to watching more golf. And right now, I think Bryson DeChambeau is the right-on favorite to win the Masters, even over Tiger Woods, who won it last year. So it'll be fun to watch him. Can't wait to see Tiger get back and play again. But Bryson DeChambeau is all the talk 
of the PGA Tour right now, the way he looks, and the way he's crushing the ball. I had a conversation before we came on with my man Scott over here. We were talking about music. We are talking about Outkast. We are talking about, he said, Outkast ruined, ruined music for him. So I'm going to bring my man Scott in right now to ask him, how has Outkast ruined things for you? Well, I didn't know you were going to put me on the spot yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you say Outkast ruined, you got you to speak on that. You got to back that up. I think that they were so good, so groundbreaking. Right. They're, 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 what they did with, with their music was so different than, than we had heard throughout the 90s. Hip-hop had nowhere to go from there. It was it was just done for so, me. So they just crushed it for everybody. Yeah, because they were so lyrically talented, nobody could come after them. Yeah, and 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 it's not to say <laughs> I don't hear I don't hear a hip hop song every once in a while that 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 I, that I like, but they set the bar too high. So you're a fan of, uh, of Drake, you say, right? Uh, eh, a little bit. It's okay. I mean, I, I, I like I like a couple of his songs maybe, and I couldn't tell you what they were. I you're just like, I know I've like, heard them. Like, like Tusi Slide. I don't know who that is. Left foot slap. That's, 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 that's Drake, man. Oh, you is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't tell you the name of his song. I just know I've heard songs and been like, oh, that's all right. Future, Lil Baby, none of those guys. No, 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 no. No. I've heard of Future. I don't know who Lil Baby is. You. What about Da Baby? That's two different people? Yeah, that's two different people. No. <laughs> <laughs> Lil Baby, Da Baby, they're two different people. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not familiar. I oh, you're a fan familiar. of T.I.? I like T.I., yeah. 2 Chain. Uh Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like Wayne. I like the older stuff. Okay. Back when you were a boy. You're back when you were a boy. Nah, man. I'm a I'm a '90s dude too. I like that. I was born in the '80s, low '80s. So, I, man, I like the '90s, man. I'm cool with that. So, I had to let you come on here and kind of defend yourself because I know once people heard you're not a big fan of Outkast. I can't wait to see the comments. It's yeah. gonna be terrific. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't say big fan. I say you say you they ruined it for you because they were so good. That's what it is. They say that I'm. Did you? Yeah, I am a big fan of it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, right, right. So, um, yeah, I just you can tell me as an actual celebrity. Um, is it true you should not read the comments? <sighs> well, the comments can be brutal sometimes, and oh, sometimes they can be good. So, I don't know what what, what kind of skin you got. Yeah, not very thick. You got armadillo skin? Or no, 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 not very thick at all. Well, you shouldn't read the comments. You then, just yeah. shouldn't. You've already <laughs> thrown me under the bus, so you don't need to pile on. No, nah, no, nah, you'll be all right, man. You got you got good tough skin, so you'll be all right. So, all right, we talked a little baseball. We talked a little PGA. We talked four hundred and million dollar Patrick Mahomes. I cannot wait to see what he does next in the National Football League. How many Super Bowls do you think Patrick Mahomes will win? So, Is he chasing Tom Brady or will he surpass Tom Brady? So you, you changed my thoughts earlier on this because my, uh, first, my first thought is, and I know you don't want to hear this. I know um, a lot of quarterbacks don't want to hear this. Mm -hmm. I, I, I worry about quarterback contracts killing your team. And it's the same with running backs. Because you pay you pay one guy too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I know it. it look, they're the one that makes the money. True. They're the face of the game. That's I true. get that. Yeah, that's true. Yes. But that's true. When you when you're when you're tying up, however, I don't know what the percentages are, but when you're ever you're tying up such a high percentage of your payroll into one guy, I, I just don't. I I just how many? I feel like we can name a lot of times other than Tom Brady, who were guys that weren't top paid guys. How many? Um, Trent Dilfer's, Brad Johnson's are there that have won Super Bowls. You know, uh, Doug Williams, Hostetler. I mean, all, the, all these guys. All those dudes are probably surrounded by really good people. Well, too. yeah, and that's that's my like, point. that's like kind of my point. He's surrounded by some. Good yeah, dudes. that's my point. And I think that 
Mahomes is also surrounded by a lot of people that I don't think they're going to have to pay any huge contracts the next couple of years. I don't see why he can't win another championship or two, but it's not easy. True. It is not easy. It's yeah. easy to get. It's not even easy to get to the playoffs, but it's hard to do it. Yeah. That's what makes, you know, the Patriots so amazing. Now, I will not be <laughs> praising the Patriots very often. But. <laughs> yeah. Not people like that a lot, man. But, hey, I mean, Cam Newton's going to the to the Patriots. I mean, that's another good story. Cam going to the Patriots. And uh, I thought Tom was a little salty with his boy Edelman, who, uh, you know, kind of kind of welcomed him to New England. And, and Brady said, hey, I'm still your number one. I mean, <laughs> you thought Brady moved on, but he really ain't moved on. But. <laughs> nah, I think he's going to be just fine in Tampa with with Mike Evans and Godwin and Gronk and, I mean, O.J. Howard. I mean, they got some dudes on their team now, so uh, it's going to be funny, man. It's going to be interesting to see. So we'll, we'll see who has the better year in New England or Tampa Bay. Is it Cam Newton or is it our man Tom Brady? Now joining me is a good friend of mine, a guy who I've known for a really long time and uh, have cherished the friendship of this guy, my man Maurice Claretz. Maurice, first off, man, how you doing? And how you been doing during this quarantine time, man? Shock, shock, my man, man. No, all is well. Um, the, the quarantine time has been good. I mean, one, I'm doing uh, well overall. Uh, and then two, uh, the quarantine was actually good for me. Uh, be it that I, I was uh, uh, prior to the quarantine, I was constantly running around, I was constantly speaking, I was constantly traveling and, and, and doing uh, things in regards to business. Uh, that the quarantine helped me to slow down and enjoy the uh, the birth of my, my son. He had just came into the world in December. And so I think the world kind of shut down in, uh, uh, I think, like March or April, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then for my daughter for so long, I kind of felt like I was like an Uber driver, just take her from practice <laughs> to school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, you never really, um, you, you know, it, it comes a stage where you're just driving your kids from one destination to the other. And it was weird, like even to uh, wake up in the morning to see her downstairs in the kitchen and we talking and um, you just interacting in a different way than right. than what you what you previously do. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. right. And um, it ain't it ain't so much like yo, let's get to school and let's get going. It's you know, it's, it's interaction and stuff like that. So then right. we um we had took off to Florida for a month and we just was like, hey, let's just go down here since we got to be uh, locked down. At least let's have better weather. And just being able to enjoy them, man, and and, and just uh just catch up with myself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't think since uh, probably since 2010, uh, I had been sitting like sitting in one place for um, for just one period of time. And, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying, and catching up with people. So all all is well, man. I can't complain. You know, Reese, man. When you first came on, I didn't give you the proper introduction. I just took for granted that you're such a polarizing figure and guy that everybody knows who Maurice Claret is. Uh, obviously, uh, you're a guy who is well accomplished, one of the top players in uh, the country when was coming out of high school, number two ranked quarter uh, running back coming out, did a bunch of good things, won the national championship at Ohio State. Uh, now you're doing a lot of great things in the community, uh, had some ups, had some downs, uh, but you've definitely been a guy that I think a lot of people have paid attention to over the years. Uh, let's go back to high school for a second, man. Uh, obviously yep. being one of the 
uh, most highly rated guys in Ohio. And a lot of people think about LeBron James and him coming from Ohio. But you kind of got that started, man. You kind of was the, the one of the first top guys to say this guy's from Ohio and doing big things. Talk about your uh, career in high school and some of the things that you were able to accomplish uh, coming out of Warren G. Harden High School. That was cool. Uh, I credit a lot of that. I mean, one to just uh, to just you know, like uh, like any other kid who accomplishes anything great, uh, dreaming that you can uh, or, or believing that you can do something that you dream of. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, in high school, you know, I remember I used to uh, watch guys like Walter Payton. You know, we grew up in the same era: Walter Payton, Thurman mm-hmm. Thomas, mm-hmm. And, and and guys who are our Emmitt Smiths to Barry Sanders, guys from our era. And um, I just thought that it would be cool to just even play on that level. You know, when we come up, it wasn't so much about, you know, getting rich and making a ton of money. It was just about competing and believing that you were just one of the greatest guys. No doubt. And and uh, and I was just uh, blessed with a great coaching. I think ultimately that's what kind of separated me from a lot of other people. Uh, my high school coach, um, his, uh, his son is uh, Josh McDaniels, mm-hmm. uh, basically, who, who uh, coaches over there for the Patriots. But his father's a legendary high school football coach. And uh, what happened was is that uh, in the 10th grade, 10th, 11th grade, my man, he uh, taught me to go. Like, he went from, it went from basically lifting weights and running sprints and running through ladders to breaking down coverages, breaking down different defensive sets, breaking down nice. uh, how you approach the game. And, and uh, he was taking me out of the running back's room, and he was forcing me to uh, uh, watch film with the uh, quarterbacks. And so – I know QB's always the to... smart guys, man. You know that. Yeah. Really <laughs> <laughs> so you just imagine this. You know, I'm 16 years old, and now you're understanding why linebackers shift or or where are the defense alignment going to move. And, and if, if they're doing a certain stunt, where is their support? You know, right, how are we right. blocking it? And, and so things that most running backs probably never think of, I was going to the line and doing that. And uh, and also at the time in uh, high school, I I could I could understand uh, when my quarterback was checking in and out of stuff. So mm-hmm. it was just a it was a big difference. And you know football is all matchups, and so I was able to uh, adjust independently. And you know I shift to the slot at the beginning of a play. So there was all type of cool things that I was able to do just because I was able to play the game. And so when you're in that system for a couple of years, and uh, him and also my running backs coach. He had uh, played college uh, football for Trussell. And so my the rigor of the everyday grind at practice and the, the rigor of the film process, right. along with me just wanting to be uh, a great athlete, all that stuff kind of meshed together. And so, um, you know, like anything else, I started going around the country. I went to like Indiana. I went to Notre Dame. I went to uh, just all the places. That you wanted to go to Notre drive. Dame, didn't you? Yeah, I wanted to go to Notre Dame uh, just because, um, you know, it just, just, just goes back kind of shit how sports has changed. I remember I just thought to myself, man, if I get a good education, that my life will be better. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right, right. You know, it was, you know, it wasn't, oh, you know, I'm about to go out here and make 30, 40, 50 million dollars. You know, we come from an era where just you want to compete, you want to mm-hmm. put a jersey on your back. That you know, I remember Notre Dame was playing on TV every Saturday. So yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought it would be cool to be like, you know, you play on TV, you get an education, and then. You know, I, I think that was the furthest thing I thought of. Like, that was it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it wasn't like, um, you know, if I sat here and told you that I thought that I was going to go to Ohio State and, you know, break records and win a championship, I'd be lying to you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And so I just thought it was cool to to at least get to that point. And then, you know, my junior is going into my senior year. Um, I had uh, I had broke my ankle going into my, um, my, my junior year. 
And in five games, I ran for like 1,200 yards. And I was five like, five games, game. Reese? Yeah. And, uh, and that's the kind of like, that, that took my confidence to a whole other level. And I said, man, this game isn't as uh, tough as I thought <laughs> Reese, it was. And so, Reese, what was your size? Up? What was your size? Because I, I, I remember when you got to Ohio yeah. State, you was rocked up. But I know you, yeah, I was, as, a, as a freshman running back playing varsity football, I mean, what was your size then? Yeah, I was 220, man. As an 18-year-old kid, as a 14-year-old kid. Come on, from, man. From, so from 14 to 18, I probably gained maybe like 10 pounds. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I, I came into high school uh, at 218, and I finished high school around 230. Man, I ain't yeah, leave, I, I ain't leave college to 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 two twenty. Man, you talking about at fourteen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I, man, I'm telling you, man, I had uh, I, I, I honestly think, man, and, and I, I'm saying this for the sake of this story, but I'm also saying this for the sake of people hearing this and understanding the importance of coaching. You can mm. take you can t- you can take somebody with a good work ethic. And there's a lot of guys who have a lot more talent than me, just like sheer talent. You know, you know, guys who are just real athletic, yeah. real talented. Oh, yeah. like, like they just, you know, you, you, you've seen those guys. Oh, yeah. dudes just got all the talent in the world. Oh, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't that guy. I was the guy who had like the weight room work ethic. And then I was the guy who worked on my skill, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and, I, and I was able to take the weight room, the skill. Like, and I, and I don't I don't know it for sure, but kind of like when I look at Nick Chubb, right? Yeah. Nick Chubb doesn't look like super talented, super athletic. But this dude, you know, I seen a video the other day. He hang clean four oh five. Yeah, he gonna he gonna work know, he, he gonna he gonna outwork you. He gonna outwork you, and, and if you put that with a good football mind, he, he he this dude gonna probably play 10, 15 years if his body holds up. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm more like I, I come from more like Nick Chubb, and not so much like um what's the young kid down in the uh with the Saints? You know, Kamara? The, the, the running back. Yeah, that, that dude just crazy yeah. athletic. Yeah, Kamara, yeah, Alvin Kamara. <laughs> yeah, he, he probably worked hard, but he just like crazy talented. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and so it, it's just, you know, but but there's, but I say that to say there's more guys who are, uh, who, who pledges, you can fare well if you're just a hard worker and you pay attention to coaching and you can fit in like that. Right. You know, but then there's some guys are just above average talents that, you know, that's just genetics, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, you know, you can't do nothing about that. Yeah. You, so you have a great high school career. Uh, like I yep. mentioned, you were number two ranked player, the running back coming out of, you know, your class. What was the determining factor of you going to Ohio State? And then talk about that freshman year. It was crazy. Uh, you jumped onto the scene, and uh, I'll ask you about it in a minute, but uh, by the end of that year, uh, I remember you you talking about getting calls from Jay-Z and all kind of people. What was it like choosing the school and then also going there and being a major contributor in your freshman year? Yeah, well, the school part was uh, fairly simple because Jim Trussell, you know, I'm from Youngstown, and Jim Trussell was the, uh, the the coach for Youngstown State for a number of years. Right. And uh, I just remember, you know, he, uh, when you you like, just kind of like if you grow up in Georgia and, and somebody is like a, a major figure in Georgia and they say, hey, can you come play football? You're going to say yes. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so Jim Trussell was that for me, like, you know, having him – uh, be at Ohio State, and here's the funny part: Ohio State never recruited me. I called him up and was like, "Yo, I'm coming," and he was like, "You know, really? we, we didn't offer you." A, yeah, I never got offered from Ohio State. I just called him up and was like, "Yo, I'm coming." Was there and, was um, there anybody else in that class? I mean, what? How does no, a guy from so, Ohio not get recruited by Ohio State? Yes. Yeah, so, so to 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 their um to their defense, 
they had recruited three running backs the year before. Uh, okay. So they, they, they went to go get three of them the year before. So they're like, you know, we don't really need to load up on another one. And so I just was like, in my mind, I'm like, man, I can beat all three of those guys out. <laughs> right, you know, right. Like, like, so, you know, I'm, I'm still coming down here. And, um, and you know, it was, uh, it was just, you know, that was just my opinion and, and, and things of that nature. And so I came down to Ohio State. You know, I graduated early. That was like um, in 2001 came down midway through the season. And so what helped me was that, uh, so I was the first one to ever start to graduate in early thing. Mm-hmm. And when I came into college, that same thing that freshmen get like in September, I got like in uh, January, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was going through spring ball. I was uh, playing your special teams. And like they, I had a whole like five or six month evaluation process that most kids get during a season, you know, when, mm-hmm. when freshman year starts. And so um, after that, man, I had kind of uh, like seeing like what everybody had. Like you go, you go through spring ball, you kind of see what everybody has. And I was like, man, you know, uh, I can really just take this thing to uh, a different level than, than these peers if I just work during the summer. So, you know, you come in, you you see what you have or see what you're made of from high school. And then after spring ball, you say, OK, if I lean out a little bit, if I lift a few more weights, if I come into fall camp a little better in better shape. You know, I can give these guys a push for their money because I can. I had seen that those guys were at the top of whatever they had to give. That was it. You right. know what I'm saying? Right, right. And so I came to, um, I came in, man. And the next thing you know, um, I had an opportunity. You know, this even like speaks to just seizing your moment. So, uh, one practice, I went from fourth string to first string. Uh, and one day, uh, the guys were uh, we were doing goal line. You know, mm-hmm. goal line. A lot of guys don't want to bang it up on goal line. Yeah. And so the one guy came in and, you know, he started fumbling a rock. The second guy came in uh, and he acted like his ankle hurt. And, you know, at that time we had a defense get, you know what I'm saying? At that time, uh, I just started grabbing a rock, man, and running into these guys. And I had a great job. I did a great job. And at that time, our head coach was our, our defensive coordinator was uh, Mark D'Antonio. He's yeah. the coach at uh, Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. And so D'Antonio was like, yo, uh, he he's the actual one. So just think about this. Luke Fickle was our special teams uh, coordinator. Wow. Right? So Luke, Luke Fickle, this is his first year in the coaching. So he used to see me every day be an A-gap rusher, and he would put me on more special teams, right? Mm. Just like, yo, go blow up the wedge, go rush the A-gap, just run into people. And you so ain't had like, no, no problem with that. You ain't had no problem with that. No. You, you were 225, so, rocked up, ready to go. And, and aggressive, you, 18, you, you know, you, you're aggressive, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And so now, but but I just always known this is how you get noticed in the film room if you blow people up, okay. you know what I'm saying? So then, uh, if if I do goal line and I don't run away from nobody, this is going to make an impact on coaches because the younger guys are known for shying away from older guys, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So then that happens. So then, D'Antonio, as we're leaving the field. He comes to me. He says, look, I'm going to campaign to the coaches to see if you can go with the ones tomorrow. Wow. Come to find out, I go from four to number one in one day. So then we have a scrimmage. Uh, you know how you do like your last scrimmage before yeah, yeah. you go to uh, – so we go do our scrimmage before the first game of the season. And it was like each each team had like 15 plays, yeah. right? So Coach Trussell loaded them up with runs, and I did good in the scrimmage. And he was like, yo, you've earned the position. And uh, from there, you know, like everybody else, man, you're happy, you're excited. Right. And, um, and you know, the, the rest kind of history came out the first game, ran for 175 yards. And then after that, um, it, there, there was no more like, 
you know, there was no more like we rotating guys in. It was like, look, bro, you earned it. Yeah. And here from there, um, just game after game after game, we started getting better. And then I said, man, you know, we have a we have a we have a solid team. We like we didn't have like a we we had like you know a few great athletes, but we have more like three star, four star dudes who yeah. just worked hard who were on our squad. And and I, and I made it for a good mixture because. Like we didn't have like the ego problems, you know. How, like some some guys get like a bunch of superstars oh, yeah. and they become oh, something yeah. else. Yeah. Like we had we had dudes who were like you know just come from solid programs, good guys. Because um, Craig Craig you know, wasn't the guy that you looked at was like oh he's like a Patrick Mahomes <laughs> he's not like a you know a guy that you you defensive were scared of you know but you know he did his thing you know but man I, I yeah. think I think that's a great story man because it's. A lot of kids go into college these days and they don't want the competition. They shy away from it. They look for an opportunity to leave. They look for an opportunity to say, hey, all right, I'm the second, I'm the third, I'm the fourth guy. I'll never get a chance. And they sulk. But that's a great story of, hey, I'm going to fight through it. I'm going to find my way to be seen and ultimately become a national champion at the end of the year. Let me tell you this, and I'll speak to that, man. At the at the end of the day, and I know this sounds so cliche, but it's really not about another guy. It's really about you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And and if if you feel that you're supposed to be there and you feel you're supposed to compete and you feel you're supposed to have your spot, it's just gonna be some people who better than you, it's gonna be some people who ain't better than you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And but if that's where you wanna be, you know, that's that's that like that's where you wanna be. And so in my heart, I wanted to be at Ohio State and I wanted to play for Jim Trussell. It was a pride in that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. no matter how hard I had to fight, you know, you know, all of us, we 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 like, you know, uh, you know, we we want to be that guy. We want to be the superstar. Absolutely. But at, at the end of the day, just like quarterback and just like running back, it's only one position. True. You know what I'm saying? It's not it's not like a receiving core, offensive line, defensive line. Running back and quarterback are the only positions where it's those the singular entities. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so sometimes it shakes the way it does. And so, like you know, even the young guys, like you gotta act, you gotta ask yourself, like when you uproot yourself and you leave, like what is that really saying about you yourself? You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And I know some guys go on, they go to have success. Like you look at Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow's situation isn't common. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's that, that's highly unlikely, highly uncommon. But that's also saying that he had four years to groom himself. You know, True. so he had four years to be worked on, groomed himself. And then he was old. He was an older guy playing against younger guys. Yeah. He was fairly intelligent, had a good skill set, right? You had these guys who 18, 19 years old, something don't go right their first year. They're like, yo, I'm going down to the other coach, Shutting right? Shutting it down, for sure. So the, the only thing you condition yourself to do is to quit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so... I just I just would challenge a younger dude to think like that or even coaches when they approach these guys, man, think about stuff like that. Like, yo, you just really, you know, you're choosing the easy way out or you think that you can manufacture your success in some sort of fashion. But, you know, what it really comes down to man, at the end of the day, and, I, and I've been I've been to enough university speaking. Mm -hmm. I've been around enough football in my life. What it really comes down to is that the coach is going to put the people on the field who helps him to win games. And it's not just about the talent, right? right. Yep. Is, is this dude a liability off the field? And so sometimes we don't like to hear about all those other things that makes a kid detrimental to, you know, say detrimental to a program. 
And so, you know, all that stuff means something. Is this guy good to the media? Is this guy good off the field? Is this guy going to do the right thing in the classroom? Is this guy going to be a good guy in the community? Is this dude going to remember his assignments? Is this dude going to watch film? Is this, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All those boxes need to be checked to be a professional because at the end of the day, you know, football, these guys are generating millions of dollars, these coaches. So right, right. I'm putting the guy in a position who's going to help me keep my job, but then also help to keep these guys – you know, to, to win. And so sometimes we think that it's just athletic ability when it's so much more to it, but you know, um, you know, you, you can attribute that to a lot of things. You know, a lot of us get brought up wrong in youth systems. Yep. You know, we get, we get, we get these youth systems where it's all about me. And, you know, if it's not my way, I, I'm just selfish or everybody's told me I've been, you know, that guy since I was, you know, born. And, and, and sometimes that doesn't create the best, you know, the best competitors with these young guys, man. And right, uh, right. that's unfortunate. But you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And one thing that uh, kind of sparked me was when you mentioned guys checking boxes to become a man. And obviously the person you are now had to go through some things to get to that point where you are now. And yes, sir. obviously the point of when you left Ohio State, you challenged the NFL's draft eligibility rules. What went into that thought process of, hey, I want to challenge the NFL to let me get into the NFL a little bit earlier? What was the mindset going into that? And then what happened after that for people who, who are yeah. not sure of the story? Yeah, so so uh, so so good question, right? So the, the first part of that is saying that I wanted to come back to school, right? right. So that was like to, to put that in stone, like I wanted to come back to school, but the, uh, the, the, the rift that me and the athletic director had between one another, mm-hmm. uh, it, it had just become so far off the rails. Like, you know, just the, the situation was just so far left than what it started. It was like, yo, like how do we even get here? And, uh, he just wouldn't allow me in so many words gotcha. uh, to come back to school. Gotcha. And so I was like, yo, I still want to play football. And at the time, uh, Jimmy Sexton, uh, who was an agent, I don't know if he still practices, uh, him and Jim Brown were like, yo, you can go to the NFL and, and, and play. Yeah. And so Canada, Canada had called me, but you had to sign for two years to go to Canada. And okay. I didn't want to do that. And um, uh, Grambling had called me, and um, I, I didn't want to go to like an HBCU, uh, assuming at the time I was like, man, I'm, I'm not going from Ohio State to HBCU. I just didn't want to make that transition with football. You know what I'm saying? Right. And let me uh, preface this for people who may not know. To become draft eligible, you have to be three years removed from high school for people who yes. are not sure or not or, or understanding what the rules are. So you were not three years removed, but you had some people in your corner saying, hey, you could take this next step. You could take this next step, right? Yes. Yeah, so I couldn't go back to Ohio State, didn't want to go to Canada, didn't want to go to uh, HBCUs. So I said, okay, let me go ahead and challenge the NFL. And so initially they passed the rule saying that I could, could I, that I could come, right? Right, right, and right. You remember Mike Williams had joined me with yep. wanting to go, right? Yep. So I'm thinking like, you know, this is about to happen. And then right before uh, like April, right before the draft, uh, and actually I was getting ready to go to, uh, I was getting ready to go to, uh, what is it called? Uh, the St. Louis Rams. Mm-hmm. So at this time the Rams had came and met with me the most, uh, Wilbur Montgomery and the whole squad was like, yo, we got the 18th pick and they tell me about you. Marshall. Yeah. Mar- <laughs> Marshall Falk's contract. We think that you're going to slide right there. We think that a lot of people are going to stay away from you, but you can just kind of study behind Marshall Falk and you know, everything would be good. You know, Marshall Falk was on fire. Oh, yeah. Time, right? yeah. He did it. So, Out the backfield, everything. Yeah. He did everything. And so, 
they're thinking that that's going to be a situation. So I'm thinking in my head, like, yo, I get picked and, and, and go pursue my dream, but groom myself for a couple of years. And so the next thing you know, man, um, right before the draft, uh, I see it on TV. Uh, I can't go. And at that point, you know, I didn't realize what depression was, but I got to say that that was like the first active state of depression. You know, after you you do something for your for a large part of your life, football, you know, so I've been playing football since I was five years old, at least organized in some fashion. When that happened, uh, that just kind of crushed me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I yeah. got to say, um, you know, and, and you know, just like just like with anything, I don't care if it's Georgia, Ohio, Florida, Bama, wherever. Um, you know, as a football player, you're, you're taught not to say like, or you're taught to say like you're okay, mm-hmm. even though stuff mm-hmm. isn't. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, like, yeah. Somebody, somebody can knock your head off silly. You like, yeah, I'm, all I'm right. good. I'm good. Yeah, give <laughs> yeah, me a play. I'll be back. I'm good. Can you? Yeah. yeah. And that's the mentality that I think we all live by is. For one, we knew if you're out or you can't play, guess what? Your spot gonna be taken. So I think that's what we that's what we kind of lived on for a long time. I know for sure. And so I was, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was done. I was like, man, like, what do you do? So you know, it's just like you know, I'm I'm 36 now. You and you go talk. You take a 36 year old man and you just go take. You say, okay, your major occupation, the thing that you've been doing, the thing that that takes care of you. Let me take you out of that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and football for me was that at that time. And when you take me out of that, I'm like, yo, I'm lost. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. know, you know, what I'm going to do. And so, you know, for two years, I'm just floating around. So I'm in Ohio some, I'm in California some, I'm in Arizona some. And so one thing you lose, it's kind of like with Mike Tyson, right? Mike Tyson went to prison in his prime. And so one thing that you lose is structure. Yeah. And so when you lose a structure, when you lose, when you lose just the competition, when you lose that environment, and other things become important. You hanging out, you party, you doing everything to entertain yourself and distract yourself. Right. All those things basically take away from you developing yourself as an athlete. Right. And so what what eventually happened was they um two years go by. I end up going to the combine. I did horrible at the combine. Uh, assuming like yo, I'm not gonna play no more. You know, I just shut it down for two years. I come to the combine. I struggle there. Uh, and then, you know, I'm assuming like, yo, I'm not even going to get drafted. So, uh, when April of 2005 rolls around, uh, when, um, Denver ended up drafting me in the third round, I was like, yo, I'm surprised. Like I'm surprised this whole thing even happened. <laughs> right, right. Right. And so, you know, I, I just, I didn't have that level of responsibility. You know, I, I, I wasn't like, you know, getting up every day and watching film and, you know, doing all of the the rigorous work or what? You know, and like, let me let me say this right. So I'm like, I'm making this stuff sound easy. It's not like you can just turn this off and on. Mm-hmm. Like you know as well as I know, you have to do uh, a, a boatload of work just to even have a chance to compete. That's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Like not even not even say like if you work hard, things are going to work out for you. You have to work extremely hard and then hopes that stuff going your uh, way too. <laughs> stuff going your way. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> You can work super hard and just, man, it just don't work out. You can you can give it everything you have, and in sports, literally, when you when you look at the odds, right? When you when you really look at it, and and, and like you know, the older I get, and you start to quantify numbers. Um, like athletes are really like on some levels, some levels delusional, then some levels crazy, right? Because mm-hmm. like there's there's no occupation in this world, right? Nothing. Not a not a doctor, not a lawyer, not an engineer, not an entrepreneur, not a nothing. There's nothing that you do for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, where you have a 2% chance of professionally getting paid for it, right? right? That's it. Right. So there's no physician who would say, yo, I'm going to go to school for 15 years and I got a 2% chance of practicing 
as a surgeon. You wouldn't do it. You nope. know what I'm saying? Nope. A- a- athletes will, will willingly sign up knowing the results. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so you can work all that stuff. And so to go back to the story, I didn't work none of that stuff. And I thought that I was going to get out here in Denver and basically do my thing. But I still had I had, a, I had bad habits. I'm partying all night. I'm partying Reece, all Excuse me. Reese, you talk about partying. Yeah. I, want, I want you to put into perspective – uh, like people look at athletes and say, yeah, some of them hang with certain type of people. But after you won a national championship, I think you told me this story, but yeah. you were getting called and you were, you know, you were supposed to go on a private jet and fly with Jay-Z or somebody to a party. I mean, like stuff that just, that just doesn't happen to every person. And you are a freshman and kind of explain to people the, the, the realm or the world you were living in at that time that was no. bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, so so we won, and I had flown to Vegas, and uh, I seen Jay Z, Steve Stout, uh, <laughs> and those guys. I, yeah, it was out in uh, it was out in Vegas, and and I was kind of like, I, I, I really want to say that was like the other side, I guess, of celebrity <laughs> that you don't like. But like this, so so me and those eighteen guys, years old, eighteen years old, <laughs> and like so. When, when you when I met those guys, that was like, yo, this is like kind of crazy, you know yeah, what I'm saying? So like, yeah. I, you know, because like, so you go from not thinking about that to like, like, so all all the time, like, it, it's important to put context for people. And so we came up in the MTV Cribs era, yep. you know what I'm saying? Like oh, yeah. where that was like that was like super impressionable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And so when you seeing your favorite rappers or you seeing the favorite entertainers, that stuff is influential over you. You think like this is like everything. Man. And so to 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 win the national champion, just think about this shock. Here you go, right? So you go from uh, I won national player of the year. This is my senior high school, right? right. USA right. Today Player of the Year. Right. So then 13 months later, you won the national championship, mm-hmm. right? This is a 13-month period. So mm-hmm. everything you can want in high school and everything you can want in college, and then fresh from the um, from that, I'm out in Vegas with uh, mm. uh, Jay-Z and Steve Stout. Come on, And man. I have a, have a great time that weekend. So then that's January. Let me just not, not remind you. So then LeBron is a year younger than me. And LeBron is coming up through high school, and he's selling out college stadiums, yeah. and I'm experiencing all this. Like I'm, I'm experiencing real, like first person. This is like when Mav and Rich Paul, and these is when we all young guys coming up. Like I remember, like I remember to me, I can remember when Ken Griffey, Phil Knight, Jay Z, and Steve Stout came to Cleveland, and how Mav and Rich even first got their contracts with Nike. I'm talking about, I'm talking about That's back crazy. then, with Ken Griffey. That's invite us on the jet to go down to Orlando to play John Madden. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, hold on, let me, let me, hold on, let me look. Hold on, this is a, this is a real time. So, like, people ask how you lose your mind. You lose your mind too. If you like, so let, 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 me, let me let me let me. I'm gonna just take you through a trip. So this is that happens. LeBron is is blowing up, like getting ready to do his thing, going into a senior high school. Yeah. Then I remember this is when 50 Cent came to Cleveland State and LeBron's in Chicago. LeBron, like, yo, I'm going to, to this 50 Cent concert. This one he had, like, in the club was out. This is, like, uh, crazy. Man. You well, know he was what I'm saying? on top of everything, yeah. Man, he's showing us the video, the 21 questions on a van and wow. on, on a tour bus. So, like, yo, like, just crazy. So, to me, that was crazy. Then that summer, <laughs> I'm on the Rock the Mic tour with Snoop and Fab and Busta Rhymes. And, Come like, on, man. Yo, this is... 
This is all like within the. You ain't just going to a concert. You were on tour. Come no, on, listen man. To me. It, it, it was it was nasty. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> you just you like like you you can you can think you're living normal, but you don't even realize like you just you just living crazy. This this was a crazy time in my life, and so crazy in a good way. You know, you just yeah. you, you experiencing it all, and you having fun, and, and and it's a cool thing, and um and and that's that's basically what was going on, and so. It's hard for a young kid to experience that and then to go back to campus and say, yo, like, this is like, this is what I enjoy. Like, That's you, unreal. you want to be. That's yeah, unreal. You, you and you 18, like, I don't think kids right now, 18 years old, can say, hey, I went on tour with Snoop Fab. I was hanging in Vegas with Jay-Z and then go back to campus and say, all right, man, let's just go to this, uh, this sorority yeah. party or something. Like, that ain't, that ain't gonna happen. Like, it ain't gonna happen. It's gonna man. be below you. <laughs> so my point, my my point is people have to understand like the environment that you were in and the things that were not normal for a lot of people uh that to go through that at 18 years old. And you talk about going to win that championship, you talk about going and playing for the Denver Broncos. But I think ultimately this next part in your life, I think, is probably the part of your life that you say is what really changed you. Once again, thanks to my man, Maurice Claret for coming on and talking to us as a guy who has been in his shoes before as a highly recruited player out of high school, have an opportunity to probably go to any college he wanted to choosing Ohio state, having success, having success, not only being the number two rated running back coming out of his class, but then playing as a freshman, winning a national championship and then things going by the wayside. Wow. Speaks volumes of some of the things that this guy has been through early in his career. And I can't wait for you guys to come back next week as he gets into some of the things that made him into the guy he is today. All the great things that he's doing next week will be even better. But thanks again, Maurice, for opening up and talking to us about some of the good things that's happened some of the bad things, but then next week we get into who Maurice Claret really is. You have been listening to the Triple Threat Podcast. I am DJ Shockley. We'll see you next week with part two from my guy Maurice Claret. Deuces. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube